first of all. Uh, so super excited today. I have one of my great friends and uh, maybe soon to be. Uh, we work together on another project soon, maybe with the uh, black, what is it? Black girls, black, black, black girls ball. I like that name actually, black girls ball. Uh, yeah. And uh, I'm gonna have to ask you a little bit more about where that group came from and kind of your thought behind it. I think that's pretty cool. We can kind of get some uh, advertisement out on that early. Um, but this is Jessica Scroggins. Uh, she is the assistant coach at Texas Southern University, <laughs> alumni of Baylor University. Um, just a all around awesome player, former professional player as well. Um, kind of doing her thing and uh, she looks like us. So that's uh, also another thing that's really cool and exciting. So uh, super excited to have you on Jessica, um, Coach Scroggs, and uh, we'll, we'll get this thing going here. So uh, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So one of the biggest things that I preach and one of the biggest things that I'm trying to teach is confidence in female athletes. Um, and, you know, not even just female athletes, just as females in general, I want them to be able to own their power and learn who they are and be able to speak their truth. And so one of the hardest questions to ask on uh, answer on interviews is usually stuff that it's about us and how we sell ourselves to other people. And so I make that the first question of my interviews because it's a good chance to practice confidence, a uh, good chance to practice and show like all the bad ASS things that we do in this world um, as women. So uh, my question, first question to you is, give us some of your accomplishments, uh, you know, and who you are. Oh, that makes sense why you did that. Okay. <laughs> I like talking about myself at all. Oh. <sighs> okay. Mm, wow. All right. So um, some of my accomplishments are, um, as she mentioned, I went to Baylor. I was there from 2014 to 2018, and I played professionally um, from 2018 to 2019. I played two seasons or two summers. Um, and at Baylor, I currently hold um, three records, um, single season batting average record. Um, I finished my senior year batting 461. Um, yeah, <laughs> I hold, um, the multi-hit record, career multi-hit record, and I hold the career hit record. Um, one of those records is like 25 years old and I broke that. And so hopefully I can have that record for 25 years. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Um, another record that I have is defensive player of the year. I was the first outfielder. Um, in the conference to do that. And I was first team All-American, um, 10th All-American at Baylor, and the second to be the first team selection. Wow. And yeah. And then for professionally, I have the rookie single season record, which is uh, 412. Wow. So just all of my accomplishments that I don't like to talk about. <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome. And And please, like, talk about them. I think we need to hear it and see it because I mean, honestly, sometimes when we play at, we don't get to the big stage. And even like when you were playing professionally, it's definitely not where it's at now. And even now there's still a lot of room to grow, but a little more exposure, you know? And so, you know, some people would never know this about you and, and uh, that's part of who you are and your strengths and, and what you bring to, to this world. So it's awesome for you to be able to share it with me. And so 
you know, like I, I've, I've known you now probably a year. We met uh, <laughs> kind of unofficially on social media, but uh, and officially uh, on a ride to a camp in the van and <laughs> got to talk a little bit. And, um, you know, I've been following you and, and I, I love the things that you're doing as far as like speaking up and using your voice. Um, and, and I'm just curious to know, like, you know, what kind of influences or empowers you to feel the need to like speak up on certain things or use your voice? Like, where does that come from for you? Um, I was raised to be a strong, independent black woman. And, you know, that's a part of being that is to be vocal. Um, but where I went to school, I didn't have the opportunity to have a voice or to use my voice. And so, when I look back and me not having that voice, I want to be able to use my voice or to encourage someone else to be able to use theirs. So basically being the person that I wish that I had, um, because I think that it's so important. And just me going to um, a PWI, obviously, where you already don't have um, that many black girls on your team. And then you're also playing for a non-black coach. It just, there's just a lot of factors. And so I want to be in a place that, you know, I'm able to speak up. And even if you are in college now, that like, you still have a voice and you should still be able to speak up as well. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's awesome. And, and it's true. Like a lot of times our pain is our purpose or our moments of like, where we don't get to do things become the reason why we do things and the reason why we then empower other people to do things. So um, it's a wonderful cycle uh, that we create, you know, even though we have to go through that struggling moment, it's a wonderful cycle that we continue to create. So uh, that's awesome. And so, you know, just speaking a little bit about like going to Baylor, um, you know, and just kind of the atmosphere of that program and things like that, like maybe talk to us a little bit about like, your process through determining like that was the right fit for you um, in that moment that you were kind of going through maybe in high school? Um, honestly, I wasn't very like aware of the recruiting process. Not that Baylor was about me. Um, I think that while I was there, I was like, mm, I don't know if this is the fit for me. Like, dang, if I was somewhere else, like maybe my experience would have been better. But then I've come to terms with it. And like when I look back, like God put me there for a reason. And I was able to stand out at Baylor instead of fitting in. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important for kids going through the recruiting process. It's more like what kind of impact do you want to have? Like what kind of legacy do you want to leave? Like, do you want to be a person that kind of you know, fits in because there's like four or five other kids that also dominate, or do you kind of want to be that one individual where it's like, oh, when you think of Baylor, you think of me, or, you know, or when you think of Oklahoma, like there's five, six, seven other players that you're kind of in line with, you know? And so I just think that that's something that student athletes should be mindful of. I love that answer. And so, you know, you had to consider that in high school. And I would say like in high school, there's literally so many influences that go into like when you make decisions or why you make decisions, particularly around what school you go to. Um, and I'm curious to know, like, how did, where did that thought process come from? Like, you know, instead of like maybe fitting in, I want to be the one that stands out. Um, where does that come from? Where, like what, what kind of drove that thought process for you? Um, I think for one, you know, being a black American in a sport that is dominated by non-black people, um, that's already a factor. And so it's just like, you kind of already have this like, oh, I want to stand out regardless of where I go. And so even more at a PWI, it's like, okay, 
I have a community. Um, my dad's always preach like, okay, like, hey, be proud of the skin you're in. Like, you are playing for more than yourself. Like, you're playing for yourself, but also the black girls that look like you. So now that you're at this this PWI where there's not that many black girls, like, it gives you even more reason to want to thrive and to be successful. Um, and so I think that was one of the factors, along with like me not wanting to go to school in California, just kind of like finding my way outside of home and Texas being like a halfway point, like it worked out for me. So no, for (laughs) sure. For sure. I love that. And, um, I had a question and I had a thought and let me see if I could get back to it. Um, Oh, I know. Um, And so like when you're going through like this whole recruiting process and you're trying to find the right school for you, maybe talk to us about maybe some of the barriers that you were facing during that time. Um, You're young. Right. And so I think that a big barrier is would be time frame. You know, some schools put a time frame on like, hey, you have to make a decision this at this time or you got to make a decision in a week. And it's like, I think it's hard um, for student athletes to make a decision when it's like, hey, like, I don't know, like my favorite color might change tomorrow, you know, and I think another barrier for me was me being a late bloomer. Mm. So like, you have a lot of kids that like are verbal in eighth grade and here I am like not verbal to like basically junior year, you know? And so luckily I was fortunate enough that um, Baylor was a done with a recruiting class and I was able to kind of get in where I fitted. Mm. Um, and so just to kind of encourage those late bloomers that like you still have time and you know, most often like late bloomers end up being better than those girls at verbal in eighth grade. You know, a lot of them peak and they end up missing out on homes because they're not what the coaches thought they were. And it's like, oh, here I am. So blossoming, you know, mm-hmm. So just um, keep hope, keep working hard. You're going to find a home and you're going to be great. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. And I, I was going to ask for what advice you would give. So you kind of, you kind of knock that one out the park. So that's awesome. Um, oh, <laughs> um, and so <clears throat> when you were growing up, did you have like any mentors or people that you looked up to um, that kind of like maybe got you into softball or making you think about playing at the next level um, or just thinking about in life in general? Did, it, did you have any kind of influences? Tell me about them if you have. Um, I don't really think that I had any influences per se. Softball wasn't even my first sport, to be honest. Um, I played baseball before I played all kinds of different sports. And, um, a friend actually had asked me, she was like, Hey, my dad's making a softball team. Like, do you want to play? And I was like, sure. Got to find something else to do. Why not? And so I ended up being good at it. And so I kind of stuck with it, but I think my biggest mentorship would be the Corona angels. Um, yeah, playing for Marty Tyson and Kenny Knighton, they definitely helped to shape and influence, um, who I would be as a player, um, just in college. And I definitely appreciate all that they've done for me along with my dad. So all love y'all very much <laughs> yeah can, can you uh can you go a little maybe just uh deeper on one of these and tell me like um because I think influence is really crucial to people's development and sometimes influence can be negative and sometimes it can be positive and you know you had these positive experience with these people um you know the organization and, and your dad and and things like that and I'm just curious maybe like what are some of the intangible things that they taught you uh, at that level, basically? Um, I think one thing is 
the fact that we had such a diverse team, um, just, you know, a lot of POCs and just the way that they taught is just making sure that you take pride in what you have and what you're learning. And um, though Marty could be a yeller sometimes, um, he wasn't really yelling at you. Um, and it's just more of like, hear the message of what he's saying and be able to take away what you need to take away. And like, at the end of the day, like he still loves you and he just wants the best for you, yeah. you know? And, um, you know, Marty might be hard and then Kenny might be more on the soft side. So it was like a good dynamic and it just kind of worked out for a lot of us. But along with my dad, like they just taught like, Hey, like you are a beautiful black woman. Like you, you matter, you mean so much. And you know, you're going to have the ability to go make an impact anywhere you go. So be proud and, you know, just go dominate and just like leave a legacy that, you know, that you have the ability to leave. Absolutely. And I, and I would say, I'm just going to add on to that, like uh, uh, being, a part of a program like the Corona Angels is uh, it's can be very intimidating for some people. Um, and not because of the coaches, just because of the dynamic of the atmosphere that you're in, where you're constantly having to drive. Right. And, and I, and I love that about that organization the most, I think, besides the fact that like I see people who lead it that look like me, but the fact that like I, every time I'm out there watching them, like th- these teams have to show up, like they have to compete and they have to continue to have this mindset of like advert, like resiliency, you know, yes. and, 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 in some ways that resiliency creates a little bit of confidence in, in these athletes yeah. that uh, they don't think they have, right. You got, they got to be able to pull it out of them. So um, I, I applaud that situation and I love that situation. Um, and so I think it's, it's kind of cool to kind of transition into like, why did you get into coaching? What made you decide that coaching was the route that you would take or did, did something happen or what, what's up with that? Um, I decided that I wanted to give back to the sport that had given me so much and just having the opportunity to be able to, you know, leave all I have on the field and have so much success. Like I want to be able to give that success to someone else. And I think that the biggest reward, um, a lot of coaches probably feel this way is being able to teach someone something, they understand it. And it's like, ah, like, you know, like that big light bulb goes off and see them like oh like I get it and like they're able to just grow so much more from like this one little I don't know adjustment you know and so I just I enjoy that the most and I just want the opportunity to one day be able to lead my own program and just to have like that success you know be a black woman in charge like winning you know like that's that's my ultimate goal (laughs) yeah yeah and I think um I, I'm I'm like trying to teach this narrative that success is kind of um, based on the person. Uh, you know, first of all, you have to be able to define like success for yourself. And, and I'm curious to know, like, you know, how how do you kind of define because you're basically talking about how to help athletes, other athletes get to these things, these light bulb moments. How do you define success for yourself? And then, uh, yeah, how do you define success for yourself? I asked that first. <laughs> oh, um. Ooh, that's a good question. Well, it's like you said, like, I think success is, is different for everyone. And I think that we do have to move away from the stigma of like, there's just this linear line of success and that everyone has to meet this kind of expectation or this one definition of success, because like my success can be different from you because we have, you know, different goals, different standards, different expectations, but my greatest success Um, I'd probably say it was my senior year and just the opportunity to 
separate myself on the field and off the field. Mm. Like okay, on the field, I'm this way, but off the field, like I'm this way. And being able to keep those two separate. And at the end of the day, understanding that no matter what, like I still am who I am. Like whether mm-hmm. I go three, you're over three, guess what? Like you got to start over the next day. So it doesn't even matter, you know, and just that opportunity of like, okay, like, Hey, you're okay. Like it's, it's okay. Everything's going to be okay. And like, and so I just think that we got to move away from like, Oh, you got to be an all American to be successful, or you got to do this to be successful. It's like, no, you define success, how you want to define it. And if you do what you said that you wanted to do, well, guess what? You're successful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so important. And and I, I don't want people to miss that. I think you said, you know, basically that like maybe that day you went 0 for 3, right? And it's the idea of being able to, first of all, own it and then being able to move on from it. And right, tomorrow's a new day. I have another opportunity to do do the thing that I wanted to do or accomplish the thing that I wanted to accomplish. And um, I think that's so important to not only sports, but into life, you know? And, and so I appreciate that. And so just curious, you know, if you had to give like, so these are the things that you can use to kind of help you start to define your own success. Uh, what would that be? One or two things, maybe. I don't know. What do you think? Mm. How can I get a blueprint? Like, I need to learn how to be successful. What do I What do I need to do? I think it would be giving yourselves goals or standards. And one thing that I've noticed is um, a lot of kids like they have a goal. So say my goal is to, you know, hit the ball hard and kids go up to play. They hit the ball hard, but they get out. Mm -hmm. And it's like, they don't understand that they were successful because they're more worried about the outcome instead of that goal they set for themselves, you know? And so I think it's important for us to understand and to be able to, to separate like, Hey, what was your goal? Mm -hmm. Goal was hit the ball hard. Okay. Did you hit the ball hard? Yes, then you were successful. And it doesn't matter whether you got on base or got out because you had one mission in mind and you accomplished that mission. And so I just think that we need to be able to understand that, okay, like, what is it that I'm asking of myself? And am I accomplishing what it is that I asked of myself? Mm. So I think that's kind of (laughs) safe. I love it. That's that's awesome. That's a good uh, definition. I'll put you on the spot on that one. So you did good. <laughs> All right. So being a coach, um, you know, at Division One school, uh, Texas Southern, uh, HBCU. Uh, I put my Grambling shirt on today. Uh, not for you necessarily, but since we are, you know, <laughs> we are on this podcast, I put or this message. I put it on for you, not just for you, but, um, also because it was interesting that we had a, um, we had a jeopardy yesterday where, um, we were basically putting different questions for our team. We're on like this OKC challenge week. And so every day our players are doing something different. That's kind of challenging, but hopefully bringing them together, maybe competing a little bit. And so we had jeopardy questions yesterday. And one of the questions was like, you know, one of the categories was like getting to know your coaches or something like that. And, you know, uh, my question comes up for 400 points and my team asked the question basically, and it says grambling state and everybody in the room goes, what's that? Where's that? Like, and I was just so sad. <laughs> so I'm kind of sending a message today while I'm wearing this. I'm not wearing UW today. I'm wearing grambling. <laughs> So it can be ingrained in them. Like this is what that is. And it represents me. <laughs> um, so my, I have a question, a couple of questions around that. Like 
Uh, number one, being lesser of the known schools, maybe at the division one level, um, you know, what are maybe some of the struggles that you deal with when it comes to recruiting? Um, and then what are some of the things that you wish people knew that they didn't know about Texas Southern that they should know? Ooh, um, well, I did get to Texas Southern in July. And so far what I've learned about recruiting, and I think that this goes with any program, but specifically ours, or at least HBCUs, is finding those niche of athletes that want to go to an HBCU. I think um, there is a negative stigma against HBCUs or there's just not enough information about them. And so when I go on recruiting, I might be like, oh, like this kid, you know, looks good. But then I have to like ask myself, okay, but what they want to go to an HBCU and do I even, you know, take time out to like, hey, like, I like how you play. And so I think that would be definitely one of the biggest struggles. Um, And something that I want people to know is that though we are a lesser known um, university, we are a very successful university. Um, we've won 11, um, conference titles. And so it's just like, Hey, like we're literally around the block from Houston, the university of Houston. And honestly, when I was playing at Baylor, we played at Houston plenty of times. And I, I personally had no idea. And it's just like, it amazes me literally how close the universities are together. Yeah. But, uh, I just, yeah, Texas Southern is very successful. We don't have many resources, but we make it work. And we're just going to continue to be on the uphill climb yeah. and are going to find out about us soon. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And so when you're out there, when you're out there kind of looking for those athletes, uh, maybe just curious, like what stands out to you in them? <sighs> First of all, is this well, a recruiting rule? Am I breaking the recruiting rule? Because I don't want you to answer it if I am. Do you know? I don't know. Okay. Should we avoid the question? Just to, well, be, safe. But just to be safe. Just to be safe. Let's just avoid the question. All right. So they've made the decision <laughs> that they are coming to Texas Southern and, and they've been there um, or they're, you know, arriving and, and they're there now. And I, you know, I think it's important for like athletes to know, especially the young ones who are looking to play the next level. Um, I always try to give them like, what are some of the barriers they might have to face or, or get used to, not the barriers, but what are some of the things they have to get used to or struggle with when they first become an athlete at uh, the collegiate level? Uh, maybe what are the struggles that they have to face? And um, uh, what are the struggles you're noticing? Let's just say that. What are the struggles you're noticing with people coming into the program for the first time? And not just because it's Texas Southern, just because it's be, it's a college, a different experience in life. Um, I think the biggest struggle was probably being away from home for the first time and just adjusting to the college lifestyle and understanding how different high school and travel ball and college is like, you know, you have, um, sort of like consistency in both high school and travel ball, like, Oh, like, you know, I might be the coach's favorite or I've been this way or that way. And so, you know, I've been able to play all this time, but now when you get to college, like you're kind of having to compete for a spot. And sometimes kids don't know how to handle that. And then it's just more of like, Oh, coach doesn't like me or I'm not the coach's favorite. And it's like, no, like you gotta, you gotta work for what you want. And it's like, they think a lot of people think that because I chose you to come to my university, that your position is a guarantee. Like, no, I like you, but you gotta work hard. And if someone out, it works harder than you. And if someone is outperforming you, like 
you got to understand that they're going to play over you, you know? And I think it's also important is student athletes don't really understand the role, mm-hmm. you know? And I just, if they could do that, life would be so much easier. Sometimes they don't understand their role. Sometimes they're not okay with their role. And it's just like, Hey, like, this is kind of how it was for you. And you just gotta be okay with what your role is. And if you're not like, are you doing what it takes to try to change your role? Cause if you're not, then like your role is going to say for what it is. And like that it's not anyone else's fault, but yours. Yeah. So, And I think that comes from in part, like, knowing your strengths and knowing yourself and owning those things. Yes, yes. Um, and so that's like something that I constantly preach with like the athletes that I work with and the messages that I put out is that like, you know, first of all, I want you to know that you are destined for greatness. Um, and I think the problem that comes up is that like, we see greatness from other people's experiences and perspectives. And so like greatness for Jessica was the fact that like, like you got to be an all American, you got to play professional league level. Like that's, that's awesome. That's greatness. That's your greatness though. Like, and my greatness might be that I am now going to use my platform to try to uh, teach and guide young female athletes to own their power in the world. And like, that is my greatness. And, and, you know, and and for other people's greatness, it might be that like, Hey, I want to be the coach at the university of Washington. Like I, and I want to put in all my efforts into that, like, and that is their greatness. And like, I think that's what the problem is that we don't get to our own successes or greatness because we define it by someone else's lens and perspective. Right. And so what advice would you give to, an athlete to like start to get them to understand, like learning more about who they are first. Like what could you give them advice wise? Mm, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I think it's more like being okay with who you are. Like no one can live your life for you, but you, I think oftentimes we allow ourselves to just be influenced by so many different factors that we're not able to live out, um, our true life or our true identity. So just being able to just like learn about yourself. And even if your role isn't what you thought it would be, it doesn't mean that your role is negative. You know, um, I'm more of a leader. So like that's going to be my role. And I had a teammate who's more charismatic. So like it was a nice offset balance. Like, okay, like, I'm more stern and she's more of a cheer. And it's like, okay, like it works out. Like, oh, if someone needs to pick me up, you can go to her. And if you need someone that's going to get in your butt, you know? And so I just think that it's important for people to be okay um, with what they bring to the table. Cause I feel like people, um, aren't okay with that. And so they try to, I don't know, they try to either mirror someone else or they try to just like pretend to be something that they're not, you know? And so that only hurts you in the end. So just be true to yourself, be okay with who you are, love yourself. And I promise you will be so much more valued because of it. (laughs) Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so a couple more questions, you know, wrapping it up here. Um, confidence, buzzword, everyone uses it, says it. Uh, and I'm curious, what do you think, like, how do you think athletes develop confidence? Um, okay, I, go ahead. I think confidence is both 
you know, positive self-talk and affirmations, but also um, mental toughness. I think it's kind of both kind of go together like, okay, like, hey, um, I'm beautiful. I'm confident in my body and who I am, but also like, you know, not allowing at least on the softball aspect, like, okay, like I'm confident that I could beat this pitcher. Like we know that softball is 90% mental. So if you have that confidence, it already makes the game that much easier. Like, Oh, like I won, like this pitcher's not going to beat me today, you know? And so like, Oh, like, all right, now the the game is slower. It's easier. It just makes it so much better. Um, so I definitely think that part of it and is it's like, okay, she beat me this time. Okay. What can I be better? How can I reflect, move on? And then, you know, so it's like having that mental aspect, but also giving yourself grace and, you know, just like, okay, like, Hey, like you're okay. Like, let it go, move on. So it's just like, I think it's both. So yeah. I'm going to go with and positive self-talk. <laughs> I, and I think that's a hundred percent accurate. And you said something else and I'm just going to pull it out. Um, you said also that like, there are times where like, they might uh, maybe beat you in the scenario. Um, and what you do is learn from it. You learn how to grow from it. And I think that is another important piece to how you develop confidence. It's like, what are my growth points? You know, what are the ways that I'm going to prepare so that right. next time this right. doesn't happen again, or that like next time I'm going to be better than her. Like it's a constant, like back and forth, but like confidence isn't stagnant, right? Confidence is something that like continues to have to grow and we have to be have the mental toughness to continue to grow in those things. So, yeah. But like that goes back to us. Like, you know, like she beat you, but like, did you do better than you did the, the time before? Like, then you were successful. So it's oh just like, it's circle. just we're evolving, constantly growing. And it's just like, if you're staying stagnant, then you're not doing anything. But if you're learning, growing, making some kind of adjustment, then like, you're, you're going in the right direction. Okay. It might look hard, but like you're growing and like, that's all that you need to worry about is growth. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think I have two more questions. And so, um, along those same lines, I think confidence, although it should not be influenced by our parents, um, a lot of times the responses that, or the nonverbal cues or responses that you see during the game from your parents sometimes can sway or influence like, you know, how you feel on the field. And so I think part of that is knowing like, again, what your goal is and what your successes are, but what's your advice to parents like for how I can just like maybe help my player redefine a success or ensure that like I'm allowing her to continue to be her in, in every aspect of this, of this moments of her life. Uh, it's so funny that you brought up nonverbal cues because my dad was a very big nonverbal person. And so just <laughs> thinking of something that he did and it's just like, dang it, I know today was a bad day when I get something from him, you know? And it's just like, but it went along with like, you know, my expectations and like my dad's expectations of me. And just like, though they're very similar, just like, it just seems so much worse when it just came from him sometimes. And I'm just like, Oh, like I know I did that today. You don't have to remind me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think that that is a double-edged question. So I personally feel that 
some parents, instead of them just being supportive, that they try to live through their children. And it's just like, you, you can't do that. Like you, you may have had the opportunity. You may not have had that opportunity, but like, it's not your turn anymore. Like your child is like, that is them. Like let them do what they want to do. And you should not look back at how you define success for yourself and try to relay that onto your child because then now they're like, shoot, like my parents did this, they had this kind of expectation for me and your child isn't able to set their own expectations for themselves. Yeah. And so like, you're setting them up for failure, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I just think that parents need to do a better job of being supportive and kind of just taking the back seat and let, allowing their child to mold them into themselves. And then you can kind of like piggyback off of what they're doing to either give them a boost or be like, Hey, you're perfect where you are. Yeah. Um, I also think that um, just parents need to do a better job of just like loving their kids. Like, Hey, whether I have a great day or I have a bad day, like I'm still loved. And mm-hmm. I think players need to do a better job of like loving themselves as well. And I think that, that's another thing that I did senior year is like, okay, like, Hey, like at the end of the day, like I'm still love, like, you know, my parents might be mad at me right now, whatever, but they'll get over it in 30 minutes, you know, like they yeah. still love me today. And I don't, and I just like players shouldn't be in a position where they're questioning whether or not their parents still love them because of how they perform. Ugh. Um, so parents, please be better at loving your kids. Okay. They'll thrive so much more if you're like hey today didn't go well but i still love you like how can we be better tomorrow yes 100 (laughs) percent oh and it's funny that you say that because i created this um success checklist and so i work with athletes both in small groups with teams and then i do one-on-one coaching for those athletes who want one-on-one coaching. And, um, I have one particular player that I've been working with. She's a freshman in high school and we are created like this success checklist. Um, so going back to all the things that you're talking about, number one, what do I already bring to the table that makes me successful? What does success look like to me? So we defined it. We defined confidence in a way of like, what am I doing to prepare and talk to myself nicely so that I can go back on those things and remember those things when maybe the outcome doesn't equal what I want it to be. Um, then we created this, like, well, who was going to love me no matter what, no matter the situation, no matter what happens, like, who are the people that I know will always have my back no matter what. And, and those three things are super important. And like, I think parents mean well, like they mean well, you know, like you said, partially, like, I don't want my, my athlete to feel like they weren't successful. So I'm going to push them now so that they can like, hopefully be successful. You know, it's like, they don't understand that that's really sometimes counterproductive, (laughs) you know? Um, And so it's true. Like all the things that you're saying today, you're knowing your role, like all those things are really, really important and valuable. And, and so it kind of brings me to my last question, but before I ask it, just curious if you have any more thoughts or things that you think you need to get out or say uh, to the athletes or to the parents or to anybody that might need to hear hear it uh anything that you wanted to say before i ask my last question you keep putting me on the spot you don't gotta you don't gotta say that that i'm just asking you know because 
because I everybody for everybody out there, I give people questions in the beginning. And sometimes I don't get to all the questions just because of how the, the interview flows. And so sometimes there's no need to go through every question. But sometimes people take time and they answer these questions. They take notes and like, I want to make sure I'm not stealing from their note power. You're like, you might got something on there that's powerful and that people need to hear. So I just want to make sure we don't miss that message. That's all. <laughs> Don't answer my last question, though, because I'm going to ask you that question. That's my last. I'm going to ask you that one. So don't answer that one. So anything else? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. All good. All right. Oh, and now I can't think about something that I want to say. But if I do have something to say, I'll let y'all know later. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, because, and thank you for saying that, because... We are going to grow this group, um, Black Girls Ball, and we're going to grow this group not only for athletes who look like us of color, um, for their parents uh, to kind of get advice and information from us, but also for us who are former athletes who are now coaches and our journeys and the things that we've done, what things that we've had to overcome, the things that we continue to face on a daily basis, just being who we are. Um, and so, um, You'll be hearing more of us. This is definitely not the last <laughs> of us. And because we have so many struggles in life or so many things that we have to overcome, um, so many, how do I define success? How do I stand out? How do I be seen? How do I do this? How do I do that? Like, we have to stop all of that questionings about the what ifs and start just looking internally. Like, who are we? Right. Yes. We can develop that in ourselves like those things will and it'll answer all those other questions. And so my last question is always, what is one trait that you believe every female athlete should have to own her power in the world? And I'm curious to know, what is that one trait that you believe they should have? OK, pause before I answer your question. I do have yeah. something. So advice that I would give, I would give to be true to you. Um, just being okay, I think that I have had so much success is because my dad made sure that I was proud of who I was and of who I am. And so being like, you guys, y'all are Black, you're beautiful, you are wonderfully made in God's image, you are loved so much. And even if you don't hear that from someone else, you get to hear it from me today, okay? And just being okay with who you are. You don't have to fit in. Mm. Um, you don't have to look to someone else to, to try to fit their standard or to fit their identity. Um, create your own. Like, that's the whole purpose of life. That's the whole purpose of why you're here. Um, it's that need to create your own identity, to love the identity that you've made, and to just live life and express that identity to other people. Yeah. Um, but now, to answer your question, I would say presence. And in having presence, not to let anyone question your position, your role, your place, your ability, your presence. Um, people have tried to question my presence um, throughout my career, and I have allowed it to hinder me in some ways. But reflecting, I am only able to grow from it, and I will no longer 
um, allow someone to, to question um, who I am, the way that I've been raised, what I've been taught, what I bring to the table, um, who I am as a person. I'm loud, I'm vocal, um, and I have no problem being that. And I'm okay with it. And you guys should be okay with who you are, what you bring to the table, and do not let anyone tell you different. Uh, <laughs> hashtag presence. <laughs> <laughs> That is awesome. Well, coach, I thank you so much for spending this time with me today. <laughs> Giving the people the knowledge uh, and the insight. It's uh, it's a beautiful thing. And I, I love to hear from other people and their perspectives and their thoughts. And it's interesting, you know, oftentimes what people say is very similar to what I say. Maybe I just manifest those types of relationships with those types of people. So that's awesome. Um and that just kind of relays the fact, like your power of your thoughts and, you know, what they bring to you. So yeah. um, thank you so much, man. Have an awesome day. Uh, good season. Uh, this next season as your first year there and, uh, you know, many, many other blessings. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right. <laughs> Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.